0: Welcome to The Celtic Spot. I'm Eric Vandenbosch from Town Square Media in Bangor. Hope you had a fantastic Thanksgiving. I did. Mine was nice and relaxing. I went to uh, my father's house for several days. He lives in Wayne, Maine, which is uh, in Kennebec County, a little bit west of Augusta. It's one of those tiny little towns, basically, where if you blink, you're going to miss it. Their downtown basically is... uh, They got a boat landing, and they got the Wayne General Store, and the General Store is very cool. Nice little place. They make uh, great sandwiches there. Uh, So there's a plug for uh, the Wayne General Store. If you ever happen to find yourself in uh, Wayne, Maine, uh, you can tell them Eric sent you. They actually make uh, these t-shirts, and they sell them at the store. Uh, They say, where the hell is Wayne, Maine, which is very cool. I got to get one of those t-shirts. Celtics and the Pacers. That game was Saturday night. Celtics won 108-98. to Celtics managed to win without Jalen Brown. They were also without Marcus Morris. So Celtics showing that uh, even with a couple of guys out, they can win. And they did win earlier this season playing without uh, Kyrie Irving and Al Horford. So there are a couple of examples of the Celtics still winning basketball games even without two-fifths of their starting lineup. Jalen Brown, he was not there after attending the funeral of his best friend, Trevin Steed. He is expected to return to the team and play Monday night versus Detroit. Obviously a uh, terrible situation with uh, Jalen Brown uh, losing his friend. And the first game he played after hearing about Uh, The death of Trevin and he learned that just Alvarez before the game. He was so fantastic playing that night and uh, he wasn't really even sure if he was going to play. Brad Stevens said that he didn't have to if he didn't want to. And uh, Jalen speaking with uh, Trevin's mom said he found some inspiration in that conversation. So he decided to uh, go ahead and uh, give it a go. And again, he played uh, extremely well. Brad Stevens also saying this time around that uh, following the funeral, if he didn't want to play, he did not have to play. And uh, Jalen opted to uh, take the night off. But of course, uh, you know, Brad Stevens with experience in this, of course, coaching Isaiah Thomas last season when Isaiah Thomas lost his sister just before uh, the playoffs started. Marcus Morris... Uh, Marcus Morris did not play. It was the second night of a back-to-back. He's got a knee issue. Uh, so Brad Stevens told him he was not going to play and he was going to take the night off. But Morris said that his knee feels good. So if it was the playoffs, he would have been out there. Of course, this is not the playoffs. We are in, uh, late November. Championships are not won in November. And it is a grind, uh, long season. All those different cliches and stuff like that. So, of course, you need Marcus Morris to, uh, Take it easy and uh, be healthy play playoff time. And I believe what Marcus Morris said he was going to do was he was actually on his night off. He was going to go to the Jay-Z concert, uh, which I guess is cool. I'm, Brad Stevens, I don't know if he said, go, stay home, go to a concert, probably said, you know, go home and get some rest, stay in bed, watch the game and that sort of thing. But you I mean, you know, he went to a concert. It's not it's when you say rest, I don't think you really mean go to a concert, but there is more rest involved in that than playing 25 minutes of basketball. All right. Uh so the Celtics and the Pacers uh Pacers came out extremely hot in that game. They shot 71% in the first quarter. They led 32-27 after one, and then after, or at the half, the Pacers were up 54-45, to but then the Celtics just came alive in the second half, picked up the intensity on the defensive end in the third quarter. Uh, they shot 78% in that quarter, and they led uh, 82-70. to after three. So the Celtics really picking things up in that first half versus the Pacers. Pacers uh, on offense pretty much doing whatever they wanted to do. Celtics came out uh, re-energized and with some more focus there in the second half. Uh, They shot the ball extremely well. I mean for the game the Celtics shot 56 percent from the field and 40 percent from three-point range and this has been one of those things with the Celtics that people have been keeping an eye on. Is their shooting because they are still just 27th in the league, shooting just under 40%. And of course, all of these things that the Celtics uh, have done well, sometimes getting lost in the mix, you know, stuff like, um, you know, not shooting the ball well, not scoring a lot of points, falling behind in basketball games. Uh, not getting much production on offense from your bench. So it's nice to see the Celtics uh, shoot the ball much better versus the Pacers. And they actually shot the ball pretty well versus the Magic as well. So on a two-game stretch, 46% shooting versus the Magic, uh, 40% from three-point range versus the Magic as well. And if you think about the Celtics and the great defense and the rebounding and those things, if they're able if they able to shoot the ball on a consistent basis, they're going to be extremely difficult to beat, and they already are pretty difficult to uh, to beat, obviously, with a long winning streak that lasted 16 games. And, you know, some flaws. We saw those flaws during that winning streak, the things that I just mentioned, but we also saw a lot of great things. Obviously, you got the shooting and you got the rebounding, but you also got stuff like uh, chemistry which, you know, was developed very quickly. There was all the talk about having all these new players and how long it would take for the team to gel and playing all of these young guys. Uh, So we saw some great chemistry. We saw a lot of uh, toughness as well, Uh, a lot of grit. Um, You know, Celtics battling back. Like, of course, falling behind in these games was an issue. And going long stretches without a field goal and allowing these uh, opponents to go on these long runs, that was an issue. But, you know, just their uh, willingness to stick with it and uh, scratch and claw. So some great things about the team. Brad Stevens saying, you know, you can uh, your team can get better. You can teach them to uh, play better defense or play with better pace on offense, these sorts of things. Uh, But. Being tough, being gritty, you know, your guys, they either either have it or they don't. So it's nice to see them play hard and just try and uh, work themselves back in the basketball games and all those things. Things that we're actually used to seeing as Celtics fans because in the Brad Stevens era, they've always had teams who are resilient and gritty, those sorts of things. Uh, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, speaking of uh, poor bench shooting, this has been an issue. Uh, Celtics bench not providing much scoring. Uh Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, uh, two guys who have contributed to those, you know, low offensive outputs from the bench. And if the Celtics are going to uh, be a real contender, they're going to have to get better scoring from the bench. And that includes Marcus Smart and Terry Rozier because those two guys do have their hands on the ball a lot and they do shoot the ball a lot. Uh, Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier, third and fourth on the team in three-point attempts. So they're a big part of that uh, second-team offense. Uh, Rozier had been shooting just 32% from three-point range prior to that Magic game, but he uh, has been on like a two-game tear. And over two games, his uh, three-point percentage uh, shot up to uh, 36%. Marcus Smart, who played very well versus the Pacers, still only shooting 25%. Uh, Brad Stevens talking about his bench during the Mavs game, you know, asked specifically about the poor shooting percentages and the uh, lack of output on offense. He actually said that he wasn't worried about it. He said you're going to have those, you know, those games where the the shooting isn't there. Um, but he said you're also going to have times where the shooting is there, and they shoot the ball extremely well, so he doesn't seem to be as worried about that. Uh, He said as long as the team is still impacting the game, the bench, as long as they're still impacting the game in a positive way, that's what he is worried about or more focused on. Uh, the, The defense and the rebounding from the second unit has been very good. Marcus Smart... Terry Rozier, Shane Larkin, those guys playing good defense, um, able to handle the ball. Marcus making a lot of plays for other teammates, those sorts of things. So those those guys, guys like that, not shooting the ball consistently, uh, but impacting the game in a positive way uh, with their defense. And then Aaron Baines, Daniel Tice also doing the same thing. You know, those guys with their uh, rebounding And with their ability to protect the basket and stuff like that, so I mean, none of these guys, uh, none of these guys, you would consider a spark off the bench. Obviously, Marcus can get hot, and he can be that at times. Terry Rozier can also be that at times, but none of these guys really consistent shooters. Aaron Baines shoots the ball pretty well. He can score near the basket, and he shoots his mid range jumper pretty well. But no one really, you know, calls him a spark off the bench. Not necessarily a high volume shooter. And Daniel Tice, even uh, Shemi Ogilay. Tice and Ojale, uh, they can knock down threes. You know, it's not, doesn't happen all that frequently, uh, but those two contributing on the defensive end. So you are getting a lot of great stuff from that second unit, just not scoring on a nightly basis. And Brad Stevens says that there will be nights when the ball does go in, so when they're impacting the game in other ways and the, sh- the shots are falling on top of that, then, you know, that's just icing on the cake, basically. And, you know, he's still encouraging everybody to shoot the ball. Even the players who have been struggling, everybody on the basketball team gets the green light to go ahead and shoot the ball as long as they are taking good shots. If you get an open shot, you are expected to take it. You know, as long as, you know, the second unit is making extra passes, playing at a good pace, you know, taking good shots, go ahead and uh, fire away. T. Rosé, like I said, a great two-game stretch for Terry versus the Pacers. 17 points, 7 of 9 shooting, so very efficient. 2 of 3 from 3-point range versus the Magic, 23 points, 8 of 11 shooting, so very efficient again. 5 of 7 from 3-point range. So Terry providing uh, that second unit with a great boost, uh, playing with a lot of energy. Attacking the basket, not afraid to uh, take an open shot. Marcus Smart, also not afraid of taking an open shot. Uh, Not not afraid of any type of shot, actually. Uh, Versus the Pacers, 15 points, 7 of 8 shooting for him. So a great game for uh, uh, Marcus Smart. Shooting the ball efficiently and also making plays for his teammates. And this is something that he always does, not just versus the Pacers. Uh, But uh, versus the uh, Pacers running pick and roll, nice dish to Aaron Baines for a dunk in the first quarter. Nice bounce pass to a cutting Aaron Baines for a dunk in the fourth quarter. So that's just one of the things that Marcus is able to do. He can handle the ball, uh, make plays for uh, his teammates. Of course, we know about the defense, his high energy on defense and his ability to take a charge. Uh, dive for loose balls, pick off passes, rip the ball right out of uh, his opponent's hands, you know, swat the ball away from guys. So he is a pesky defender. If he was only a consistent shooter, he would be an even better player. He is a good player, but if he could shoot the ball consistently, he could be an all-star. It seems like consistently, though, he is a clutch shooter. He just seems to be better in those situations. Versus the Pacers, uh, Tice inbounded the ball from the sideline down to the other end of the court. Marcus caught it at about the free-throw line, and uh, he hit a jumper as time expired. So a clutch bucket for Marcus there. Same thing versus the Mavs, bearing a big three-pointer with the shot clock winding down. That actually helped uh, send that game into overtime. Versus the Magic... Defended by Mo Buckets, long straightaway three, fourth quarter, shot clock winding down. So in those situations, he's just a better shooter. Uh, Great defense and hustle plays from Marcus Smart. Like I just said, uh, and Brad Stevens talking about it as well, Um, he said those hustle plays, those are worth more than the shot that goes in. That's why it's hard to quantify Marcus Smart. Kyrie Irving, uh, just uh, so much fun to watch. Kyrie attacking the basket over and over again. Relentlessly attacking the basket. You know, all of these spectacular finishes. Uh, It just seems like you can't stop him from getting to the basket. And really, he can get uh, anywhere he wants to go on the court with that great ball handling of his. But Kyrie uh, attacking the basket just like uh, Isaiah Thomas used to, always bringing it to uh, bringing it to the hoop. Although these guys, you know, do it in much different ways. Kyrie with that great ball handling, and you know Isaiah used to use you know that speed to get to the basket and go up there among the trees and get knocked to the floor over and over again. Uh, Kyrie versus the Pacers, twenty five points, eleven of six shooting. He had six assists. Shooting numbers very good, so very efficient for him versus the Magic. Nine of 15 shooting, two of four from three, becoming just the second Celtic ever to score 30 points in less than 25 minutes. Kevin McHale had 31 points in 24 minutes back in 1990. It was very funny watching uh, Kyle Draper call the game with uh, Mike Gorman having the night off. They talk about that stat, and then uh, he says, if you're Kyrie Irving, it's got to be great just to be mentioned in the same sentence as Kevin McHale. And Scal's like, or if you're Kevin McHale, you could think, I was mentioned in the same sentence as Kyrie Irving, which is very true, which is funny. Uh, Kyrie really just doing everything he can to help the Celtics win versus the Heat. Of course, they lost the Heat, and that snapped that 16-game winning streak. But Kyrie had 23 points in that game, 11 of 22 shooting, and he scored eight points in the final two minutes. So he did everything he possibly could do, but they came up short. And it seems like the Celtics have been relying maybe a little too heavily on Kyrie Irving, just like the Seas used to do with Isaiah Thomas needing Isaiah to score 29 points per game every night you know, to win some basketball games. And, you know, Kyrie is, he's going to get his, obviously. He's going to be one of your leading scorers uh, on most nights. Um, You know, can't rely on him every single night to carry the team. He needed 47 points, or the season needed 47 points from Kyrie Irving just to beat the Mavericks in overtime. You know, and obviously Kyrie is is clutch. You know, Kyrie is the type of guy where whatever it is critical that you get a basket, you can put the ball in his hands and he can do that. He can get to the hoop and he can finish or he can go to the free throw line, shoots 90% from the free throw line. But if there's a situation where you need a basket to cut a deficit, you know, uh, you need a basket to maintain the lead. If you're in the final few possessions of the game, if you need a bucket uh, you know, give it to Kyrie Irving. And, and you know, that's one of the reasons why they traded for him because he's such a fantastic basketball player and he's magic on offense and all these things, you know. So, uh, you know, nobody's surprised that they go to Kyrie in those types of situations. He's had so many big-time shots uh, throughout his career. That's one of the reasons why you bring him in, but you can't really rely on him to bail you out every time you're in a 16-point hole. You know, a great player, Kyrie Irving, and not just, uh, you know, attacking the basket relentlessly, but scoring in many other ways as well. Knocking down follow pull-ups, he can post up smaller players. He can shoot from the mid-range, he can shoot from three, and he can also shoot uh, from well beyond the three-point line as well. He can shoot some really deep threes, perhaps taking shots that if that was an attempt by a different player, maybe... If it's a different player, it's a bad shot. But if you're Kyrie, uh, that's it's just him doing what he does. Kyrie and Jalen appear to have become one of the best backcourts in the league. These, t- these two playing so well, scoring points and shooting the ball so efficiently. A great combination in the backcourt. Combining for 69 points, 24 of 35 shooting versus the Mavs. Versus Atlanta. Combining for... 57 points, 20 of 25 shooting versus the Hawks. And that was the uh, first Celtics starting backcourt to score 57-plus points in consecutive games since the NBA began tracking starters in 1970. That last part I'm not quite clear on. I believe that was uh, what uh, NBC Sports Boston said since the NBA began tracking starters in 1970. Nonetheless, 57-plus points in consecutive games. Jalen Brown's shooting has been absolutely fantastic, knocking down 41% from three-point range this year, which is absolutely amazing because it wasn't all that long ago where he was coming out of college, and the big knock on him was he couldn't shoot the ball consistently. He did not appear to be a very good jump shooter, and now, you know, early into his second season, he's shooting 41% from three. So the development is there, and it seems to be, at least from a shooting standpoint, moving along rapidly. So it's fantastic to see him knock down those shots and, you know, just to really— difficult basketball player to defend if he's going to be able to knock down shots like that because we already knew that he was uh, so good in transition and so athletic and could attack the basket and all of those things. But uh, Jalen's shooting uh, the ball with confidence, not hesitating uh, in taking those three-point shots, and he is taking shots that maybe you didn't want him to take a year ago. In his rookie season, not as good of a shooter, you know, so shots that you didn't want him to take a year ago are are dropping for him this season. One shot that is not dropping for him is the free throw shooting, which appears to be an issue at just 60% uh, free throw shooting for Jalen Brown. And one would think that with him attacking the basket the way that he does, he would get several trips to the free-throw line every night, and it would be nice to see him shoot the ball uh, a little bit better than 60% from the free-throw line, and that has been uh, an issue for the Celtics. Another guy who uh, we all enjoy watching, another young player, Jason Tatum, 11 points versus the Pacers, 4 of 10 shooting, but he has shot the ball extremely well this season, shooting 47% from three-point range. 47% 47% uh, outstanding from him. And currently, on Sunday night, Jason Tatum averaging uh, 66% shooting in the fourth quarter. So he has come up big at times late in games when the Celtics really need a bucket. You know There have been several occasions where uh, late in games and during that 16-game winning streak, there were some close games there that went uh, right down to the wire. You know, games uh, where they were down big and managed to battle back, but uh, games going right down to the wire where you need buckets, and uh, the Celtics, despite not shooting the ball very well, knocked down a lot of timely shots. Not just Kyrie, but uh, Jason Tatum getting in on the action, attacking the basket. Uh, NBC Sports earlier this week, they said that uh, Jason Tatum was shooting 64% in the fourth quarter, which was fourth best in the NBA. So this is a 19-year-old kid who just a little while ago couldn't even drive a car, and now he's shooting uh, 64% in the fourth quarter in the NBA. Very cool. NBC Sports Boston, again, saying that 64% number was fourth best in the NBA, uh, currently shooting 66% in the fourth quarter. And how about this guy's moves like – around draft time a part part of his scouting report was just his ability to create space and all of the great moves that he's got and stuff like that and he has shown that you know with the crossover uh with a spin move being able to spin off of defenders along the baseline uh he had one play versus the Pacers where he was driving the lane and he put the ball behind his back and then uh attacked the basket and scored a bucket so this guy's got all the moves which makes him Extremely difficult to defend and a lot of fun to watch if you're a Celtics fan. Uh, versus the Mavs, he was leading a fast break in that basketball game, put a euro step on Wesley Matthews, lays it in. So good in transition, so good at attacking the basket. Also, versus the Mavs, a dribble handoff from Al, drives the lane, Tomahawk jam, Jason Tatum. Scored on a couple of uh, alley-oop plays as well in that basketball game. One of those being an alley-oop dunk, and the other one, I think, was from Kyrie Irving, where he wasn't quite able to uh, slam it home, but he was able to uh, score on what kind of seemed like an awkward-looking... kind of like an awkward-looking catch in that alley-oop where he was uh, not able to dunk it, but the ball went uh, in the basket. Al Horford versus the Pacers, Al was so good in that game, 21 points, 8 of 15 shootings, so very efficient, 3 of 4 from 3 point range, that one kind of snuck up on me, I read the box score, it said 21 points for Al Horford, and I didn't realize he was at that number, 21, so maybe he did it quietly, Uh, He did have some plays that were not so quiet because they were, you know, uh, great plays. Some exciting plays from him, like that step-back jumper versus Miles Turner in the fourth quarter. Also had a nifty up-and-under move earlier in the game. So a good bounce-back game for Allen. I call it a bounce-back game, and maybe some people are surprised to hear me say that because he had been so efficient. But this week uh, versus the Mavs, Heat, and Magic, he combined for just 15 points. Just 15 points over that three-game stretch with uh, 6 of 20 shooting. So he did kind of have, at least from a scoring standpoint, very quiet three-game stretch. And then he had a fantastic three-game stretch following uh, his return from the concussion over those three games. 18.7 points per game, 77% from the field, 21 of 23 uh, in two-point field goal attempts. 21 of 23, so unbelievable numbers for him during that stretch. Now the three games versus the Mavs, Heat and Magic, where he wasn't scoring a lot of points, it's not like he wasn't contributing, he was still putting up good assists and uh, rebounding numbers over that stretch. Mike Gorman, happy birthday to him. His uh, birthday was on Friday. It was his 72nd birthday. He is now in his 37th season as the voice of the Boston Celtics. So uh, this guy has been calling Celtics games uh, before I was even born. He's been doing it uh, for 37 years now. I am 34. So uh, this guy has been calling Celtics games As long as I have been alive, and he has been the voice of the Celtics, you know, as a longtime Celtics fan, I I don't know Celtics basketball without Mike Gorman. And uh, Mike Gorman sounds fantastic. He calls a great game. He's got really good chemistry with both uh, Tommy and Scal. So it's great to uh, hear from Mike Gorman every single night, one of my favorite sports broadcasters. And it's really great to see, uh, you know, as... People celebrate birthdays, and they talk about being uh, a member of the team for 30-plus years. It's great to see the old footage of uh, Mike Gorman with all the funny suits and the funny hair and stuff like that. I really get, really get a kick out of like seeing pictures of Mike and Tommy from the 1970s or whatever. They're really funny, I think. Uh, Kyle Draper actually called the game versus the Pacers because uh, Gorman had the night off following his birthday, uh, Drapes and Scal those two uh, doing a good job. Draper did a good job, and it's always fun to see those two together. They seem to have great chemistry. They both got good personalities. They can both be pretty funny. So it's uh, it's good to see Kyle Draper uh, calling a basketball game, big fella. Um, next game for the Boston Celtics is going to be uh, Monday night, and our old pal uh, Avery Bradley returning to the basketball team. Uh, or excuse me, Avery Bradley uh, returning, Celtics taking on uh, Detroit Monday night. So very much looking forward to that. Avery Bradley, his numbers this year are consistent with last season, you know, in terms of uh, points per game, um, three-point percentage, shooting percentage is still very good. So uh, Avery Bradley uh, returning taking on the Boston Celtics on a Monday night. Very much looking forward to that. All right. Merrick Vandenbosch from uh, Town Square Media in Brewer, Maine. And uh, I will be back next weekend and we'll kind of recap uh, all the things that happened with the C's uh, during, during that week. So I shall return. Take it easy. Go C's.